the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. It is 6.03 here on a high holy day for my Jewish brethren. And just to let you know how I, you know, how seriously I take it, um, I have not eaten a morsel of food since 7 p.m. last night. So, um, Joan, what time, um, what time is sundown? What time can we eat? Sundown is, I think, seven thirty. Let me look it up right All now. All right. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I to give you either. to give you some context, um, today is Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement, a uh, day to go to the synagogue and pray. Of course, I'm Roman Catholic, um, and I six forty. Oh, six forty-eight. You oh. don't even you can eat during uh, the show. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I I don't know how you feel, Joan, but I'm not. I'm really not that hungry. I'm not hungry at all, and I did it to now, support our friends. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's how it really started. I was invited to a breakfast party, or whatever you call it, dinner. Um, it's, I don't know, Luca was little, maybe a decade ago. Um, and I was like, well, you, how do you go to a breakfast dinner? Have you been eating all day? Like, eating, that's not cool. You can't breakfast because you haven't right. been fasting. That's and since then, more or less, um, I think one year I was invited to a lunch that I had to go to, so I went. But... Um, Yes, and it's it's a day of atonement. We have to think about all the things we've done bad. I threw I will, bread in the water. Yeah, I'm not sure what that tradition. It's I mean, I know I did it. I know I did it with sins. you one year. Yeah, but. we did. We were on our way to something in Brooklyn. Oh, you go, out. Alex. It's Bad called Alex. Toshlik. So I'm Jewish, and I kind of am part of that. Um, I, when I was a kid, we did that. We threw it in. Wait, the, hold on, hold on. You said you're Jewish, and you kind of what? No, we've done that. I did that as a kid. I did Toshlik, is what they call that, and it's a ritual where. I think it's throwing the sins into the water, I believe, is what they said. They use the bread to do uh, during that ceremony. So, Okay, well, thank you. So um, anyway, um, I think one of the byproducts of um, not eating for 24 hours is maybe like you lose a little bit of your patience. So I just got a little snappy with Joan because I said, Joan, do me a favor. I go, just making a list of the people who's going to the, who's coming to the party tomorrow night. It's like, well, this one, and then maybe that. I said, Joan, just could you take it? And then finally I had to be like, Joan, just write the list down. I just want the names. <laughs> I want the names of the 10 people. I, well, I'm not, but that's okay. We're I always have now. an excuse. Yes, we're over it. We're over we're it We're overextended now. here. So, Joan, why don't you tell us who the guests are on today's show? We're going to have John Wisniewski who is a former state senator from New Jersey. We're going to have him talking about what's going on. Oh, 
big issue with Bob Menendez right now. Yeah, well, it seems like, uh, you know, look, I've been involved with too many cases to rush to any conclusions. Of course. But for a guy who doesn't make a lot of money, relatively speaking, as a New York, as a United States senator, he seems to have a lot of money. And you have to wonder, like, where where did that money all come from? And you could say that about a lot of people uh, who are in government. Um, you know, even, and, and just so you know, I'm forthright on being, even my friend Justice Scalia, like, I, you know, he wound up, at least it was reported that he, he had a lot of money. Now, with him, I know he wrote a bunch of books, and he did very well with those books, and he did a lot of speaking, and I believe he was allowed to um, accept honorariums mm-hmm. for this the um the speak the speeches that he gave um i don't know maybe there were some really good investments along the way i'm not 100% sure uh more locally here we have um the migrants who are sleeping on the floor of the Vanderbilt uh bar uh it used to be called Vanderbar yeah and i remember when it opened and it was a really nice place it's right on the corner it's attached to the to the Roosevelt hotel and um it was a really nice place. It was food and drink, and then it was boarded up during COVID, and it never re un- never unboarded. And then I saw it unboarded. I was like, "Oh, great! They're gonna um, they're gonna open up the uh, the restaurant again." And they did not. Yeah, they opened it, but it, they just opened it. Um, there are people behind the bar serving water and some kind of snacks to the people who are in there, just sitting on benches, staring at each other. Um, literally, I mean, there's phones involved with people being distracted there, but it's. It doesn't look very pretty, and the New York Post is reporting that actually the people who can't get into the hotel because there's no more rooms left, they're sleeping on the floor. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't understand why this is still happening. Why do we have so many people still coming? I don't understand Well, this. because no one's stopping them. So along those lines, Governor Hoko, not really stopping them, but fixing the problem now, Governor Hoko announced that she was assigning an additional 150 National Guard members to assist with the efforts to house and help the migrants. Um, And one of the jobs is going to be, when the mayor was on the show, he said that the White House had granted work permits for people from Venezuela who would come here in the first half of the year. And um, those that affects about 10,000 people who are are here in New York. Uh, That's like... Not even a tenth. It's like eight percent, but at least it's something. So they're supposing the National Guard people are supposed to help them fill out those forms, so that they can work legally. You know, a week ago tonight, I had, or maybe tomorrow, I don't know. I had George Olson on, the former uh, captain in the Marines, and he said, "Look, just let them all work, and you know, let the feds come in and say well, you're violating the law by allowing them to work." But other people say, like Nicole Maliotakis, the congresswoman from Staten Island, like, what about all the people who have been who have applied uh, for work visas months and years ago, and they have not been granted? How you know isn't that very unfair to them? And and it is. Um, but you know, in times of emergency and crisis, we pass laws and emergency measures that sometimes are unfair to a lot of people. Like you could look at businesses during COVID. Who really decided what's essential and what's not essential? It was the governor's office. And I remember when Governor Cuomo was on this show, I asked him, like, who decided that liquor stores were essential? Mm 
remember that. Yes. And he said, well, you know, we were sitting around the table and everyone was like, look, you, you know, you, you got to keep the liquor stores open. But, I mean, you could, in your own mind, think of other places that were closed that were ruled not essential that could be viewed as essential mm-hmm. as a liquor store. So, I don't know, you know, apparently most of these people want to work, the the migrants. I, I can imagine they want to do something rather than just sitting in there. I want us to have a whole show on this. Just staring this is, at each other. This is a big issue. They, they want to, they, you know, they're just, they're just doing nothing at all. Yeah. And maybe that's better from the, the location that they ran from. But it's almost like being in a, in a type of a prison. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a interesting predicament to be in. Uh, you know, when I was when I had Mayor Adams on the show, most of the people who came here in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, they had some uh, someone or some some uh, way to work or fine work too. or some yeah. yeah some kind of link. Yeah. And what I learned is they're supposed to be. A link for these migrants to come over where they come over and they have an aunt here an uncle here a friend right. here a cousin here and to kind of get them on the road but it's a disaster um financially you know my financial advisor called me today and said arthur i don't know if financially and he's just a books uh, a numbers guy he said i don't know if the city can recover from this or handle all of this you know we're, we're just taxing the system to a degree where it could break. And I said, no, absolutely not. New York always recovers. It and does, but look at the homeless on the street with the mental illness, and we have, we're doing, not, it feels like we're doing nothing about it. I'm seeing them more and more. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're more in touch with it than I am because I'm kind of isolated in this touristy area, which is you know, where our law office is. You're on the Upper East Side or wherever it is that you live, or it's more much more residential and less touristy. So you you probably are seeing things that I don't see. Um, but it's um, you know I, I followed the mayor. I mean he was at all different events this weekend, and um, I guess that's what he's supposed to be doing. I mean there's a part of me that feels like he should be. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Should he be in the Roosevelt Hotel? Like, is is he? Is do you really want the mayor of the city of New York to be sitting there helping migrants fill out forms on how to, um, you know, on, on how to get a work permit? Uh, should he be taking a plane or train down to Washington D.C. and trying to barge into whether it's Schumer's office or Hakeem Jeffries' office or um, uh, the White House and seeing about getting us more help? Or, to, or at least, as Joan said, like, why are they still coming? How do we stop them from coming? I want to help them. Don't get me wrong. But... I know. And then, and then people will complain, like, why are we helping them so much? Well, what do you think will happen if you we don't help them? help them? Then what will happen? Gonna join then, gangs or exactly. Be taken in by people that don't have their best. So, Joan, tell us mind. again who's coming up next, just so I know. We have John Wisniewski. Thank you. Pronounced Wisniewski, two on two. Th- uh, 2017 candidate for governor of New Jersey and former New Jersey. And so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Melendez, Melendez, and then thank you, Melendez. <laughs> I haven't eaten. And then we're going to talk about the New York Yankees on the second part and of the hour. Possible shutdown the end of this month. Don't go anywhere.
It's Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare Rx, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com, improving quality of life one patient at a time. Here is Dr. Nick Silvestri, University of Buffalo. Because myasthenia gravis is due to an autoimmune condition attacking muscles, the most common symptom is muscle weakness. This disease can affect any muscle of the body, and common symptoms include double vision, droopy eyelids, slurring or hoarseness of speech, trouble with swallowing or chewing, difficulty breathing, and weakness of the muscles of the arms or the legs. An unusual feature of myasthenia compared to other neurological disorders causing weakness is that the symptoms of myasthenia tend to get worse as the day goes on or the longer a person uses their particular muscles. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question, and the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, each helping your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's right there, approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. So if you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you. It has for about 70% of the half million people who've tried it, and they've ordered more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF, the number 4-RELIEF, to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. About our friends at Connors and Sullivan because we all know that planning for the future is important and you want you and your family to be protected if you're not around who's going to make decisions for you wills trust power of attorneys healthcare proxies living wills your overall estate plan the time to plan is now and there is no time like the present since Mike Connors and Connors and Sullivan are hosting these free seminars where you can listen to Mike talk for a little while and you can ask him questions uh, and it's it's all on the arm. It's all on him. Monday, October 16th at the Greenhouse Cafe on 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Tuesday, October 17th at Buckley's Restaurant Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn at 11 and 3 p.m. Wednesday, October 18th at the Adria Hotel on Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thursday, October 19th at Conley's Corner 
Grand Avenue in Maspeth, Queens at 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And finally, Friday, October the 20th at DeLuca's Trattoria, 616 Forest Avenue in Staten Island at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. If you can't make any of these free seminars, call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and you'll have your own free office appointment. And remember, as Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Goldfinger. He's the man, the man with the mightest touch. A spider's touch. Why are we listening to this? Such I thought we were going to play It's Hard to Be a City. I don't know. I was told to play Goldfinger on this one. Uh, Alex, I would have been into like Hard to Be a Saint. You have Hard to Be a Saint in the City nearby there. Alex? Of course I do. Oh, why don't you just play that for a second? Because you know that's a little bit more me. This one over here, the Goldfinger. Um, <laughs> Great theme though, but I can I can pull that up for you. Hang on okay, one second. I mean, Joan is trying to tie in uh, what's going on here with Senator Bob Menendez. And Actually, being accused. that came as a suggestion from one of our uh, guys in the office, from Mr. Barada over here. Oh, He's like, what okay. about Goldfinger? I thought okay. that was kind of yeah, appropriate. Bars of gold, you know, Goldfinger. <laughs> hold on here. You with me, Al? All right, let's go to our let's go to our next guest, the 2017 candidate for governor of New Jersey, former New York State legislature legislator for 22 years, John Wisniewski. It's Arthur Idala. How are you, sir? Arthur, good. How are you? Good to be with you again. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Um, well, let's see. They got a lot of evidence in uh, the senator's house uh, with DNA on the um, on the actual cash going back to the people who uh, are he's accused of collaborating with. You know, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I'm used to getting people out of jams, but this is a big jam to be getting someone out of. What say you, Senator? Yeah. Well, the... The amount of reasonable doubt you would need to uh, dispute the state's evidence in this case is just astronomical. I mean, like you pointed out, DNA on the cash. What's the U.S. senator doing hiding gold bars in his closet? He's waiting for what, the economy to collapse? That says a lot about his thinking about the U.S. economy. Now, you know. I will tell you this: When I represent young people, uh, and they're you know their mom or dad are coming are coming into my office, and I'm charging them a legal fee, I almost always tell the young person, "Look, I will accept your family's money, and I will do everything I can to make this bad situation better, as long as you promise me you're not going to do it again." And right. what happened here with this senator? Well, you know, look, he was uh, the beneficiary of a hung jury the last time the federal government came after him uh, with Dr. Melgan and the gifts that he received from Dr. Melgan. Uh, interestingly enough, President Trump pardoned Dr. Melgan after the fact. And um, there doesn't seem to be. What do you think that's all about? Uh, it's 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 hard to imagine, but but here's the thing, and the reason I mention that is when a sitting U.S. senator says that this is all you know trumped up, this is all uh, you know they're they're coming after me because I'm a Latino. Uh, it, it has kind of a 
a patina of what Trump says about the charges against him. Yeah, I know he's uh, um, and then Des is talk, you know, talks about his mother a lot and she's his hero and he's the son of, Cu- you know, she was a Cuban refugee. Um, but as you know, uh, you know, that that's that is not going to counterbalance um, envelopes stuffed with cash on inside pockets of clothing um, throughout your house where there was clearly enough evidence to at least get a search warrant for uh, Senator Menendez's home. I just, you know, when you dodge a bullet once, you would think, you would think you learn. You know, Arthur, sometimes I think that people who dodge bullets also think they've done it because they're so clever. And the next time out, they're less careful because they think they got this thing licked. Uh, And so that could also explain some of it. But, you know, the the argument that the senator made, uh, I think it was this morning, that because of his background as a Cuban, the son of Cuban immigrants, uh, he was worried about assets being seized. So he took money out of his own bank account. And, and, And you know what? That could be believable up until the point. And I stuff them in my suit jacket pockets in my closet. Yeah. You know, if, if he was anything like me, there are some mornings where I throw the jacket in the backseat of my car. I don't check what's in the pocket. He's going to be walking around with $100,000 and C-notes in his back well, pocket. Listen, that's also so very easily provable. I mean, his bank records, is he taking out X amount of dollars, you know, on, on so many certain days that that would correspond anywhere close to the amount of money that he has uh, in his home. Look, I, I keep cash in my house. You know, right? you never know. I got little kids and you got to rush someone to the doctor, emergency, whatever. That's that's one thing. I don't think I keep anywhere near the amount that we're talking about in this particular case. Um, yeah, I but, think everybody keeps a little bit of cash in their house just for that reason, right? That there's, there's either a delivery guy you need to tip or there's an emergency and you don't have time to run to the ATM machine. Well, but not hundreds of, of thousands of dollars. No, I know. And and Senator uh, Wisniewski, just to go off on a tangent, kids today, like twenty and twenty five and under, they don't they don't even know what cash is. Like I go out with some of the young associates from my law firm, they don't have a dollar on them, they, and they don't even have a what. They just use their phone, the Apple Pay. I go, well, what happens if they don't accept Apple Pay? Yeah, but you know, I, I, sometimes I wonder. Like you know, I I see it a lot too, and sometimes I think they're smarter than us because they know that. If they say they don't have any cash, we wind up paying. So. Oh, b- believe me, there's a guy in my <laughs> firm who shall remain, remain nameless. So we go out with four of us. And we, you know, yeah, it's a hundred bucks. It's twenty five dollars each. He's like, oh, I only have a card. Okay, whatever. I'll just cover you. You, Senator, you're you're totally <laughs> on to him. I appreciate that. Let's talk politics for a second, uh, Senator Wisniewski. Uh, yeah. Oh, let's let's say Menendez steps down or gets convicted and leaves or whatever. What what are some names of uh, possible replacements? I know they asked Chris Christie, and he said, no, not me. Well, look, the, the way it works in New Jersey, if Bob Menendez were to resign, Democratic Governor Phil Murphy gets to pick anybody he wants. Uh, historically, uh, the Democratic governor will pick a Democrat to be Bob Menendez's successor. But I don't expect this process to play out real quickly. He's saying he's not going anywhere unless the Senate votes to uh, expel him, which can happen, but there's a long process. He doesn't have to leave the U.S. Senate, and he's up for election next year. And so, so it's interesting. Okay, continue. He's up for election yeah, next so, year. Yeah, so, you know, 
he's he's going he says he's going to mount a challenge. He's going to run. He'll lose because he won't get the county line in all the counties that he needs to have the party support from. But he'll serve through the end of his term. That trial, that trial is not going to happen overnight. And so he may very well. It could happen. I mean, you're an attorney. You know, it could happen in 12 to 14 months. Right. But think about that. 12 to 14 months from now takes us to late in the year in which he would theoretically be up for reelection. Right. At that point in time, it's like it's a moot point. Right. He's going to be out of office soon anyway. But, uh, you know, it depends on what what negotiations take place between now and then. I would assume he wants to hold on to his Senate seat as a point of leverage, uh, both dealing with the U.S. attorney and raising money for his legal defense. You know, it's interesting. You talked about the, the governor appointing to fill his seat. It reminds me of uh, of someone else I think President Trump pardoned. Correct me if I'm wrong. Blago. Blagojevich, the, uh, yeah, the governor Rob of Yeah, Rob Blagojevich. Right? Yeah, Governor Elvis. All right. There you go. It, and I corrected Trump uh, pardoned him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought so. So, so um, talk but you to know what, like- just uh, the thing, I, I will tell you this. I spent 22 years in office, and you're always thinking about uh, what the public thinks about, the positions you take, and what you say. And when you have events like either Donald Trump getting indicted four times or somebody like Rob Blagojevich going to jail or – Bob Menendez being indicted for the second time, it just ratifies the cynicism that most voters have that the process is broken, that elected officials aren't working for them, they're working for their own dime. And this is just, you know, taking us down a path that we shouldn't be going down where people start to really question whether or not this system of government we have even works. Well, I mean, I, I would, I'm not saying you're wrong. But if you go back to the Roman times, the Roman Empire and the senators there, can't you say the same, make the same exact argument from those thousands of years ago as you just made just now? Well, yeah, but remember what happened to the Roman Empire. Uh, it didn't it didn't survive. Well, they were in power twice as long as we've been in power, right? Right, right. Um, but the point still is there is that this system that we have where people like me run for office is only as good as the people trusting the people who run for office and believing in the people who run for office. And once that trust and belief is destroyed, it's really hard to get it back. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, the cynicism is is ripe. And um, I think anyone who's running for office (laughs) these days you know, they're either very noble or they need to have their head examined for having some mental illness because uh, it seems to be a tough, thankless job where you don't really get a, many rewards, not, not financial rewards. I mean, it, it, you get the, re- the gratification on those occasions when you get to really help people. And I'm sure, Senator Wisniewski, you did that a lot in your 22-year career as a state leg- legislator in New Jersey. Um, we're almost out of time here. I just want to thank you, John, for coming on. Um, you had a lot of insight, and um, you're always a great guest because, you know, you, you know how to speak. I appreciate it. Arthur, it's good to be with you. Always a pleasure. All right, folks, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the New York Yankees 
with Ray Negron. And if I get him on the line, I'm going to have Mr. Paul from Flushing help me uh, with this interview because he knows more about the Yankees than anyone I know. We'll be right back. Pretty the cripple on the corner, cried out nickels for your pity. Them gasoline boys downtown sure talk gritty. It's so hard to be a saint in the city. Hi, Kevin McCullough. The International Travel Show is coming October 26th through the 28th at the Javits Center, New York City. Titled Your Travel Hub, open to the public on Saturday to explore vacation options from around the globe. Great destinations from Brazil to unique places in the state of New York, New England, Europe, even South America. Join the fun and participate in some of the most compelling travel sessions from the travel industry's best-known personalities, from Darlie Newman to Pauline Fromer. Take a minute and check in with Travel and Leisure Go to consider travel deals and discounts at a wide range of destinations, hotels, airlines, and car rentals. For more information and tickets, go to www. NYInternationalTravelShow.com. That's www.NYInternationalTravelShow.com. That's www.NYInternationalTravelShow.com. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertun and Cammons, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertun and Cammons earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertun and Cammons law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Dennis Prager here. Join us in Israel this fall. Soon, time will run out, and then you'll regret you didn't go, I promise. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. That's the name of the tour. We'll be visiting amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk on the streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea. In fact, you could even sit in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects and visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you will always remember deeply, fondly. Our expert guides will help explain the significance of every site, and our food and accommodations are specifically designed with you in mind. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel tour. Sign up today to travel with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Call 855-565-5519 or just visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. I've been talking about my friends at Plaza College and their court reporting program nonstop for a year now. But, you know, Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have their school of court reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new school of nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. 16 months. 16 months. They just graduated 18 new nurses that are now out in our community helping us in our times of need. Plaza College also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. 
Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist right there, right in the, that beautiful campus that I've been to. It's an incredible learning experience to be in that school. As I said, I sat in one of those chairs. Awesome. For additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, email, email, info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. What a beautiful noise coming up from the street. What are we listening to here, Alex? So our next guest had this play, Bat Boy, and in the play he talked about how this song was related to Thurman Munson and the 1977 Yankees. You want to introduce our guest tonight, Arthur? You know what? Alex, why don't you introduce our guest tonight? Well, this guy, I've known forever, it feels like. Ray Negron, welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. You are a special advisor to the Yankees, and uh, this is your 50th year of baseball, and I thought, well, why not highlight you tonight on our show? And Joan was like, yeah, let's do this, and Arthur did too. So welcome to the show, uh, Ray. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, it's a thrill to be on with you since I've known you since you was a little boy. Well, Ray, I, this is Arthur. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Hi, Alex Arthur. is very excited. Um, I have a, a regular caller to the show um, who is, he is our Yankee specialist. Paul from Flushing is on the line. Paul, are you with us as well? I'm here. Okay, so Paul, I got to be honest with you, Ray. As much of a Yankee fan as I am, I am not in the league of you, Ray Negron, who's 50 years been floating around the Bronx, um, and Paul from Flushing, who is a season ticket holder for longer than he can remember. Um, so, Ray, I know you have a book. Let's talk about your book first. Yankee Miracles. Yankee Miracles is is basically a uh, my thank you to George Steinbrenner, and it's a book that tells the fans about the wonderful individuals that have been there for me, whether it's Reggie, Thurman, Bucky, uh, Lou Pinella, Catfish, you know, the guys that were there at that time. It was the greatest time of my life. It was a just a, a truly spiritual time for me, and the Yankees were world champions, and New York was buzzing because the Yankees were great. And, you know, even though the son of Sam was running around the city, you know what, the fact that Reggie hit the three home runs that night made people forget about all the lunacy of, of this madman. I, Ray, I know you have a good story, um, and then I want I want uh, Paul to ask you some questions about, or any questions about all those names you just rattled off. Um, but just first and foremost, how did you get into the whole Yankee family? 1973, June 29th, I was outside Yankee Stadium. Uh, believe it or not, I was doing graffiti with some some of my friends of the time, and. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, a car drives on the on the sidewalk. Two guys jump out. I'm the one that's caught put in a holding cell. And because one security guard says to the other guy, uh, this is where he belongs. There's nothing that you can do for these people. So the guy said, you know what? Give me this kid. And he took me into the Yankee locker room and made me the bad boy that night. And that guy was George Steinbrenner. Wow. 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 Really? That's amazing. That is amazing. And, and how long were you a bat boy for? Uh, 
Uh, I, I was a bad boy off and on until like 1981. In between, I played pro ball. I was drafted in the second round by the Pittsburgh Pirates in 79, in 75. And when I proved to America that I that I was a half-ass hitter, I was back working for George. Oh, that's wonderful. So, Ray, I'm going to hand over the microphone to uh, Paul from Flushing. And, Paul, ask Ray some uh, great questions. Well, Ray, you bring back a lot of great memories. Being a Yankee fan and growing up in the 70s, Bobby Mercer was my guy. That had to be the most painful day of my life when they told me he was traded. I loved Bobby Mercer. Well, Bobby Mercer, uh, I can say to you, the first time that Bobby Mercer cried with such passion was the, the day that he got that he got the call from Gabe Paul in 1970, winter of '74, and told him that he was gone, that he was going to San Francisco for Bobby Bonds, and Bobby, uh, for he cried like a like a child. Okay, it's something that stayed with him forever. And and for him to have missed those two World Series in 70, 76, 77, and said those three World Series, it was like the yeah. most painful thing. Bobby Mercer was my hero. Bobby Mercer, after Mickey Mantle, you know, Mantle was my guy. When Mantle retired, Bobby was then supposed to be the next Mantle. So naturally, the whole city fell in love with this guy, and he was he was fine as wine. He, you know, I mean, he just, as a person, there was no one better than this man. He was a sweetheart. Loved him, and it was almost destiny that he comes back to the Yankees because he really carried them emotionally after Thurman died. Um, that eulogy he gave in that game, I think it was against the Baltimore Orioles, that first game they came back. That's and right. He drove in all the runs, and he, and he walked off the game. It, it was almost like he was meant to be back with them just for that. And, yeah, but you, you bring back a lot of those memories, and uh, – Almost Ray, what kind of guy? What kind of guy was Thurman Munson? Tell me what kind of guy Thurman Munson was. Thurman Munson was my big brother. Thurman Munson, I used to drive to Cheetah Airport so that he could jump on his plane. Thurman Munson, I used to say, I don't know how you do this, why you do this, and Thurman said to me, "Listen, you're like me. Our fathers didn't give a damn about us, and because of that, I need to be able to fly home so that." I possibly tuck my kids into bed tonight you'll understand when you get older and i better know that someday you are going to be the much better father than your father was to you or my father was to me and those words stayed with me until my four children were born and today i am very proud to say that all four of them are incredible incredible people alex knows them two are police officers they're heroes my other son was the New York State Light Heavyweight Champion, and my daughter just gave me my first grandchild, my greatest gift in life. So, I mean, what can I tell you? I mean, thank you, Thurman Munson, because you woke me up to the importance of being a good father. Paul, ask me another question about the 70s Yankees. Well, you know, for nine months, I terrified my wife when we were pregnant with our first child, saying, I'm sorry, but... If he's a boy, he's going to be named Thurman. Thurman, Thurman, Thurman. She was beside herself. She couldn't believe it. She's like, none of your relatives, your Italian males, will even be able to, to pronounce that. They're going to call him Thur everything, everything. Of course, I didn't get my way. We named him Jack. We went to a Yankee 
golf outing for Bucky Dent some years ago. And it was like being in heaven. Goose Gossage was there, Mike Torres, Bucky Dent, you name it. They were all there. And my wife told this story to Goose Gossage. And he looked her right in the eye. And he, he grabbed her hands. He goes, you should have been proud to name your kid Thurman Munson. Thurman. It was, uh, it was, a, great, <laughs> it was a great moment. But um, those were great right. times. I, I, I'm going to top that story. Was... Uh, Paul. I'm going to yeah. top that story. I'm driving with Thurman. T- I was driving with Thurman from Boston to New, uh, to New York. He, uh, uh, we, after a Yankee game, we were driving back because the team was going to Kansas City, and he wanted me to drive him to Teterboro Airport so that he could, because the next day was a day off, and that way he can go, to, go home and spend the day off with the kids. So en in, in route to Teterboro, uh, Thurman was telling me about that his son had just been born. So me and my friend, another bad boy by the name of Hector, were driving him, and I said to Thurman, Thurman, did you name your son Thurman? And he said, are you crazy? And we started to laugh. And he looked at my friend, and he said, and I didn't name him Hector either. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so, Ray, before I, I, I ask Paul to take us into the modern era, um, you know, you, you hear a lot about Reggie Jackson and the kind of person he was or is, I guess. Um, tell us a little bit about Reggie Jackson. Let me let me just say this. Reggie was my other big brother. He he was very important in my life. Uh, and the beauty of Reggie Jackson was that him and Thurman Munson became wonderful, wonderful friends. OK, and I'm proud to say that Reggie will always give me the credit for put, putting them together. One day I said to Thurman Munson, we were, I, I forgot what town we, oh, we were in Detroit. And uh, after the game, this was in 1977, probably August of that year, if I'm correct. Uh, but anyway, I walk into the trainer's room, and they were working on Thurman's knees. And, I, and so Thurman said to me, you're still here, huh? And I said, yes. And I said, uh, Reggie wants to know if you want to go to a sports bar with us, Gordy Howe's place. And he said, Reggie wants me to go? And I said, yeah, he wants you to go. And he said, yeah, you know what, I'll go. And so then I went back to Reggie, and I said, Reggie, Thurman wants to know if you want to go to a sports bar with us, uh, Gordy Howe's place. And Reggie says, Thurman wants to know? And I said, yeah, he just asked me that. And he says, well, you know what, go get a cab, get it ready, and then we'll come out together. And we went to Gordy Howe's place, and, and uh, it was the first time that they had dinner together. It was incredible. It was wonderful. It was exciting. And then Thurman said, uh, uh, Reggie says, as we, uh, as we were about to leave, you know, it's a good thing that, uh, Thurman, I'm glad you asked me to go out tonight. I said, what are you talking about? Ray said, you asked me. And I said, oh, shoot. You know what I'm saying, but it, I, I had lied. To I'm sure they. Them, I'm sure they worked. laughed it off. I'm sure they laughed it off here and now that those. Oh, it was beautiful. Story. They laughed and they were and they were terrific. I'm telling, you, they were terrific friends, and that's what people don't understand. But Reggie said the same thing on Howard Stern some months ago. So Ray Negron, hey, I have Ray, a question for you. Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson's story, and the Reggie Jackson ending is exactly what the problem is with the Yankees now. How do you push a guy like Reggie Jackson? They completely froze him out of that organization that he picked up and left. 
because they didn't want to take his advice. They didn't want to listen to what he had to say. And to me, that little thing is emblematic of where the Yankees have gone, let's say, in the last 10 years. You know, the 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 tradition, the, the old wise guys, you know, why isn't Willie Randolph around this team? Why Why aren't these guys hanging around this team who want to be part of this team and an input, and all they've turned into is a big malfunctioning computer? That's what it is. So, Gal, so ask me your question. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you think the Yankees are going to get out of this funk? I, I'm a little. I I'm let, let little me put skeptical. it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. As someone that were my, my job today is I work uh, I work for and with Randy Levine. Uh, if he asks me in essence a, a question about the team, I'm going to give him what I honestly believe. Uh, I feel what I feel is what I tell him. Whether they listen, they listen. If they don't listen, they. That's 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 okay too, you know. And uh, uh, they're going to make every effort to sit down this uh, this winter and try to fix what has been uh, essentially broken, okay? And they're gonna they're gonna make every effort to try to do what they have to do. They know that some mistakes were made, and uh, Brian Cashman and Hal and and Randy and all all the powers that be. Are are gonna do what they gotta do. They hey, listen. They gotta do it the Yankee way, and so they're gonna do what they gotta do. I hope so. And I know you you're probably, you know, you're very close and in the inner circle, and you know it's tough for you to talk about it. But Randy Levine seems like a very competitive guy to me, a very aggressive go getter. I can't imagine. He's a he is as close well to George. He is as close to George Steinbrenner as you can get. I mean, no one will ever, ever, ever be George Steinbrenner, okay, ever. But he is as close as you can get. And he, he you know, listen, nothing, he, nothing matters more to him than the Yankee brand. And he's not there to take any curtain calls or anything like that. He's just there to, in essence, have things roll the way Mr. Steinbrenner wanted them to roll. Look, that's great, and it's great that Randy Levine is almost a clone of George Steinbrenner. The problem, the fancy, is that we need Hal Steinbrenner to get a little bit of what his dad had. As as look, he's, close as he is, he, is to this to this family. I don't think George Steinbrenner would put up with this. I don't think he'd fire him, but I think he'd put him somewhere where he'd be better suited, because this is not. This is not the Yankee way. What what they've devolved into their their approach, well, their philosophy, anything. Paul, that's why I look forward. I I think that this this coming off season is going to be uh, an exciting time for the Yankee fans and for the Yankees because I think that things are going to be worked on to in essence make this machine what it's supposed to be. So I'm looking forward. To this winter, I'm looking forward to picking up the paper just like you every day and see what what's happening. What what are we close to doing? What are we close to getting? Who are you know? I think things like that are uh, it's going to be there in that cycle uh, known as the Yankee machinery. Ray, it's I Arthur so. again. I want to ask you about um about positive stuff, the glory days. 
1998 Yankees. Give me your thoughts about the 1998 Yankees. 96, 98, 99. I mean, listen, the team that was on the bench was almost as good as the team that was on the field. You know, so how were you going to beat those guys? Well, 96, okay, I mean, they that, came back from the dead. I mean, they were down in the World Series two games to nothing to the Braves. But 98, I mean, no one could touch them. Well, I mean, look at the, look at the team on the bench. Okay, that's why, that's why I love that team. Because, I mean, you, if, you, whoever you put out there, if a guy went down, hey, listen, if, a, if an outfielder went down, you got Daryl Strawberry with 20 home runs sitting on the bench waiting to get in. You know, that's how good they were. We play today, we win today. That's it. Tell us about Larry Joe Torrey. Tell us about Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey was the right man for that job, okay? He was the right man because all he had to do was make up a lineup card and just sit back and watch, okay? And, and then he had the greatest lieutenant in the world in Don Zimmer. Okay, so whatever Joe didn't come up with, Zimmer did. Okay, that's how that's how good that situation was, and and at the same time, you know what? We got to give credit to George Steinbrenner because he he didn't listen. Like for instance, when they were signing Doc and Daryl, there were so many people saying, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! These guys are junkies!" Et cetera, et cetera. And just like the guy said to me back in 1973 about that I was a loser and George believed otherwise, it was the same situation there. And, and that's why I, I will forever uh, love this man, just like Doc and Darrell will. Um, what about um, one, one th- uh, Joe Girardi, the last coach to – the last manager to win a World Series for the New York Yankees? <laughs> Joe Girardi is my second favorite manager of all time. Who would Joe be your Girardi, first? Billy Martin is your first, right? Billy Martin was my father, my baseball father, a man who looked out for me. He was a man who was not a, hey, if he was going to go out to, to eat with Frank Sinatra, he would say, Ray, let's go, and made me feel like I was somebody, made me feel special. Made me feel like I didn't have to worry about the fact that I was black, Hispanic, etc. He made me feel like a man. Wait a minute, hold on, Ray. Did you actually? Feel- did you actually have dinner with Frank Sinatra? If you go to Patsy's and you go to the second floor at Patsy's, you see a you see a portrait of me, Mr. Sinatra, for Sammy Davis Jr., Billy Martin, and Sal. Excuse me, Joe, the owner. Wow, that must have been a meal. Hey, Mr. Sinatra was a man's man as close as close to Billy Martin was as close to Frank Sinatra as Frank Sinatra was as close to Billy Martin, meaning they were that the same type of individual. And so tell us about Girardi real quick. Joe Girardi was a guy who was uh, he was he was tough, but he was smart. And he he you know. I love Joe so much because, you know what, if I had a sick kid with cancer, he would say, Ray, bring him on the field, have him meet the guys, et cetera, et cetera. He would stop whatever he would be doing, like Billy Martin would, and come over and make the kid feel like, hey, no matter what, we're there for you. We love you. You don't worry about it. We're going to, you know, I mean, that's just Joe Girardi was beautiful, man. Beautiful. And I Joe miss Girardi. 
got a raw deal, Ray. He was probably one of the smartest guys to ever manage the Yankees. He wins a World Series, and they don't like the way he reacts or treats the press or, you know, he was uh, upset with Gary Sanchez. And, you know, these are all the things that we hear, these silly things that allowed him to be pushed out and they put somebody like Aaron Boone in. I, I don't know, Ray. It, it, you know. Ray, has the really ga- has the ga- does the game now rely too? Does the game now rely too much on analytics and computers and technology, uh, and and less on guys, you know, managers' gut instincts? Hey, you know, I can't answer that question because I'm not in the clubhouse that way anymore. So I don't see how the lineup is made up or anything like that. I mean, I listen. You 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 read the papers. You you hear what they say and all that kind of stuff. So again, I really don't. I couldn't answer that question very honestly because I just don't know. Well, Ray, you know how we're going to end this segment. Alex Garrett's going to ask you the one last question. He's the one who got you into this mess. So he'll be the one to get you out of it. Go ahead, Alex. Tell us okay. about the George Steinberg Re- Reclamation Projects because I know you are very passionate about calling it the Reclamation Projects. What is that about? Well, that that is about the aspect of if George saw a kid in the street. Something would hit him, and he would grab the kid and bring him in and give him a job, or anything like that. When he one day he found out about Alex Garrett, brought him upstairs to the Yankee uh, to his office, and he 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 made him like an honorary general manager. George would be on the phone screaming at somebody. He would see Alex with his skate, and he would say, "Sit your ass down over here," and make him sit there as he's screaming at some general manager or some owner. Wow. That was then, yes. That was, I, He would actually send reports that I created for him down in Tampa for the scouts to look at at the trade deadline. So that is a true story, uh, Arthur. All right. Ray Negron, 50 years with the New York Yankees, started as a bat boy and, and, he, and became a big shot to go to dinner with, uh, with Frank Sinatra and Billy Martin. That's a dinner I would love to be at. Paul from Flushing, thank you for your knowledge and your insight. Uh, I'd love to have both of you on again, especially after we find out the moves yeah. that the Yankees make. Because let's face it. The Yankees aren't just New York. The Yankees are America. So it, this is real important. And, Alex, I have to thank you because you're the guy who made all of this happen. We appreciate it. Thanks to both you and Ray for all the opportunities you guys give me every day. So thank you both on that. And, Ray, thanks for joining us. Always. Today. All right. And, Alex, aren't you mentioned in his book? Yes, I am mentioned in Yankee Miracles. Right, Ray? That's right. Love it. Nice. Love it. Love you and love you guys. And, Hey, you know, uh, Yankee Nation will return. You'll see. All right, Ray. We're counting on you on that one. All right, folks. Um, Alex, what am I doing right now? We're actually going to end the show. So, you know, we'll do some Bay Ridge tomorrow. This was just so really awesome. And, and I, Wait, I can eat now. You can eat. Yes, it's sundown. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope everyone had an easy fast. I certainly did. I got a lot of work done today in the office. Um, thank you to all our guests. Thank you to Joan. Thank you to Alex. And we'll be back tomorrow.
Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons. PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.